Hello, friends. My name is Aliza Kelly. I'm a celebrity astrologer, three-time author, and host of this podcast, Stars Like Us. Think of Stars Like Us as your favorite nighttime talk show that just so happens to be released every Monday morning. Each week, we connect with another amazing expert guest, and together we talk about everything under the sun. But before we get into today's episode, take a moment to rate this podcast five stars. Why? Because you're the fucking best. All right, now let's do it. Sit back, relax, and get ready for another out-of-this-world conversation. This is Stars Like Us. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Aliza Kelly, and I am here today with Becca Tobin, a Capricorn sun, a Taurus moon, a Pisces rising. Becca is a singer, dancer, actress. So already we have triple threat and podcast host of The Lady Gang. She is best known for her role of Kitty on Glee and is currently starring in the Turner and Hooch series on Disney+. Plus. Becca is also a best-selling author, New York Times best-selling author, not just any best-selling author. Becca, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being on the show. I say this thing called tank. There are no coincidences. I have another tank for you that I didn't even realize before we started, which is that I went to high school with one of your co-stars on the show. Who? With Jack? Josh Peck. Oh, Josh Peck. You did. Yes, oh I my. did. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. He's, an, he's a New York kid originally. Yeah. And we went to high school together. Oh, my God. I love Josh. He is just like the most kind, humble, hilarious person I've ever worked with. Do you know what sign he is? I don't. You know what's crazy? He's a Scorpio. Ooh. Very non-Scorpio energy coming from him. I mean, I guess I could see sort of. I did play his love interest in the show. And so th- there's no um, lack of chemistry with him. Like, oh, wow, you wow, know, wow. The, the vibes, which I think is very Scorpio. Very much. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also like being able to turn that on and then being able to turn that off appropriately because you are in a relationship, right? Yes. We are not. You you cannot just be like open to your co-stars. No, not at all. (laughs) But it was and it really was just when cameras are rolling, like he knew how to turn that on and then you know, and then turn it off appropriately because we're both very happily married. And but yeah, I appreciated it because sometimes you just don't have that whatever that spark is, even if it's just for the camera. Can we talk about that? Like the the sexual energy that needs to be relegated to just professional only yeah. that actors have to deal with because it blows my mind. It feels terrifying to me. It feels like you have to be a Capricorn son in order to be able to handle it. My Leo, I just, I I could never imagine a world where it could just be turned on and off. You know, it's funny. My husband's a Leo. Oh, really? It was hard for him because he's also not in the business. So to him coming into this relationship with somebody who probably once a year, at least I'm kissing another person you know, on camera. So he doesn't really get it. And that's funny you say that. I didn't really realize it's a it's a trait that I could have because I'm a Capricorn, but I, it is so non-sexual for me. It is so technical. And it's, I'm thinking of 8 million things as that kiss is happening. I'm thinking, where's the camera? Where do I need to tilt my head? I need to remember to close my eyes because sometimes I don't. And then you look like a psycho when you're cl- kissing someone <laughs> with your eyes open. Um, I'm thinking, I hope my breath is fresh enough. I hope I don't have a double chin right now. Like it's, it is not like, I can't wait to just melt into your eyes and, you know, passionately kiss you. However, I am not an idiot. That stuff happens all the time. I've been on many sets where you know, where both people are single. So it's kind of like, right, right, right. It adds another element to it where it's kind of like foreplay for maybe later when the cameras aren't on them. And that's fun and exciting when you're single. But yeah, as a married person, it's really, it's really boring. And it's, um, I know people say that and people don't buy it, but maybe down the line, I'll change my mind. You know, if I have a really super hot co-star, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My, my best friend is an actress 
Emily Mead. She also is a Capricorn. Really? And I ask her these questions all the time because, you know, she's been in many, she was on the deuce, which was like the horniest yeah. show of all shows, you know? So she's like naked and fucking everyone all the time, but doesn't then have crushes on these people. Mm-mm. And I'm like, how do you do this? How do you do it where you are being so intimate? And she said literally the exact same thing. She's like, I am more concerned that I don't look good in the shot for sure. I am more concerned that like the lighting is not right for me yeah. than I am about like trying to make things horny with the person. And the way that I look at it too, and, and how I explain it to other people is imagine, listen, there are people out there who love making sex tapes or whatever, whatever <laughs> is your thing. I totally applaud you and support you. Um, but for the most part, majority of people are if they're asked to make a sex tape, the experience they have while having sex, knowing a camera is on them, I can guarantee you is unless there's a lot of drugs or alcohol involved, a lot of insecurity and a lot of self-conscious behavior. And you're not in it like you're not you can't possibly just disappear into the moment. Maybe you can and maybe men can more easily. But for women, it's like there are a million things you're thinking about, including most importantly, what is showing on camera? Like, (laughs) right, 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 right. And the angles, the the angles, angles. like you got to know the, so that is, that's so interesting that it, especially when you are then spoused up, that it really just becomes full technical. Yeah. Full technical. And I'm not really a big, I've never, I've dated one other actor in my whole life. And so I'm very fortunate that that's not my type. It never has been really. And so I think that also helps when, when it's just like, you're attractive, but you're kind of too attractive. You're wearing concealer right now. That's not my thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, why are you wearing so much jewelry? Like, it's just- exactly <laughs> jewelry. Yeah, I could not imagine. Well, the person that I'm engaged to mm-hmm. is an Aries who is not an actor. He's an Aries who's a musician. But I have in the past dated actors and I have found it to be a horrendous experience personally. But I don't know, like cis straight dude actor is may probably just a very different breed of like (laughs) that role as an artist. I don't know. I don't know. It was exhausting and terrifying. Terrifying. And I think this is me generalizing and this is me being an asshole, but I can't help myself. I do find that a lot of men who find themselves enacting in that specific uh, trade, they're most likely majority of them just very good looking and a lot of them were just told by everyone in their lives, like, you're you're so attractive. And a lot of them just love attention and idolize Matthew McConaughey. And they just think, <laughs> I can do that. I want to be rich. I want people to love me. I want to get a lot of girls to sleep with me. So it doesn't a lot of the time require you honing a skill so much. Like a musician, you can't just get on stage and wing it. I mean, you have yeah. to you have to practice. You have to you have to have an actual passion and then you know, the drive and the determination and uh, technique and men, uh, male actors and women too, myself included, you can kind of wing it. There are times when you don't necessarily have to have had two years in a conservatory program and doing the Meisner technique and improv and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Like there's no trajectory that everyone takes. So a lot of those guys just were hot. Right. Which is really scary. You know, a guy who knows he's hot, there's what could be worse? Nothing worse. What could be worse? In my LA LA days, I spent some time on this app called Raya. Oh, yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if you ever spend any time on Raya. And it was I have PTSD from it. Yeah. You know, I I still have the black and white photo montages like pressed into my psyche (laughs) whenever I think of like what God, like my LA days and what life was like before I found just my lovely Aries musician partner on Tinder. <laughs> on Tinder. Oh, good for you. But <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Success story. Yes. But yeah, the 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 ones who know that they are hot and are doing it because they have gotten enough feedback from their small town mm-hmm. to move to this crazy town and give it a try. It's like it's gaggable. Well, it's like the epitome of that. Um, meme that was like everyone should walk into a room with the confidence of like a mediocre white guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, like, I'm botching it, but I'm like that's the pinnacle. Is an actor like you think that with no training you should stand in front of a camera and be a movie star? Sure, why not? Yeah, I mean it's 
<laughs> I have so many, I have so many things and so many scary things. Like we're also recording this, uh, in October, which is spooky season. Mm -hmm. And to me, this couldn't be a more haunted conversation topic than talking about entitled men who, who see themselves as entitled enough to be actors yeah, like and famous ones at that. There you go. Um, Shifting for just a moment, I wanted to ask you about your journey within your different industries, because you are not only a triple threat, you are also a quadruple, or maybe there's even more, a, a, a five, a fin, fantastic threat. I don't know. You're threatening. You're threatening across the board. I like just threatening. You also, you're just fucking threatening because you also have this incredibly successful podcast and you also are a person of the internet and you also have sort of traversed all of these different ways of being in entertainment. So I'm curious and like your chart backs it up from what I know about it. Having a Pisces rising means that you have Neptune as your chart ruler and Neptune is the planet that's associated with the entertainment industry and creativity and magic and illusion and being able to sort of like shapeshift as needed. So we love it for you. But I'm really curious about how you have found the business, business with a capital B and with a lowercase b, both businesses to have changed over these years. You know, I think that the only reason that I'm a, a threat, a fucking threat <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it's the Capricorn in me. I'm, and I'm a, I'm a three Enneagram. So the achiever and the worker is something that I cannot shake, uh, which is really annoying for me, but it's also just all that I know. So from the beginning of my life, I saw girls wearing leotards on on the street and I said to my mom what are they wearing and why are they wearing them and I was like four she said no they're going to gymnastics I think and I said I want to try that and then I went to gymnastics and then I was like well how do I get to, how do I get there how do I get there and so it was just constantly like well if I keep working and I keep I just want to climb and climb and climb and climb like the goat perfect mountain goat <laughs> I'm mountain goat. Up, up and up and up up and up <laughs> that did not cross over with my academics though so I was a terrible student I really got so bored in class and I just always loved musicals and theater and I saw my first Broadway show when I was really young and that I just from that point on was like that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna do theater I'm gonna do, go to New York for college and I'm gonna train and in high school I went to a performing arts program like a magnet school and I just had my uh, one track mind. Like my whole life has been this like one track mind. I don't know how this is going to come across, but I was like, I'm going to get to Broadway and that's going to be like my life's goal. And then I got to Broadway and I was 23. And I was like, wow. oh, wait, I kind of this is great. I love it. But there's a ceiling. Granted, I didn't like dominate Broadway by any means. I was there for a short period of time. And um, I got an audition to be on Glee. And at that point, I was like, never really entertained the idea of TV or film. And the business in New York is so different from the business in LA. And I, I kind of never had the desire to be on TV, uh, be in paparazzi photos, uh, walk a red carpet. And that's this is not bullshit. This is like, to me, that seems pretty terrifying. But I went to this audition, I got the job and it was just sort of like, OK, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go do this TV show where I get to sing and dance. It's kind of a similar job as Broadway, but it's a different medium. Did that was in L.A. for a while and and then Glee ended and I was like, what the fuck do I do now? Because mm -hmm. after coming off a show like that, 90 percent of the people that come off a hit show usually take a lot of time off and sometimes it's voluntarily. And sometimes it's just because the business sees you that as that character, as that show, and they have a really hard time seeing you as anything else. And that's kind of what happened to me. I didn't choose to take time off. I was like, uh, nobody wants to cast the cheerleader from Glee right now. So I'm just going to figure out another way to make a living. And um, my really good friend, Kelty Knight, entertainment journalist, she's been a pioneer in digital, the digital media space. And she was like, let's start a podcast. This was 2015. And I said, what the fuck is a podcast? And I have no idea. I had no idea. I was like, Adam Carolla, is that what you're talking about? Who's going <laughs> to listen to that? Um, and so we just started it. And I am so lucky that I've never judged anything too much. And a lot of the actors that I knew during that time 
because their whole lives were like, I want to be actor. I want to be an actor. I want an Academy Award and I want a Golden Globe. Like for me, that wasn't it. I felt lucky to have gotten that experience, but I knew that I needed to trailblaze ahead and whatever that was, just be successful at it. So I had no judgment being like, but I was on TV once and now you want me to podcast? But everyone around me was kind of confused as to why I was taking this path. And years later, I'm literally laughing because now every actor (laughs) has tried and is trying and some are really successful to do the podcast thing. So that's a really long winded version of I just sort of kept walking through the open doors and never judging any any experience because I feel like all this stuff after Broadway has been such a bonus. Mm. You know, so that's truly how I feel. Yeah. And it I think also what I what I'm hearing as well is like a level of humility. Oh, yeah. Too of recognizing that like, you know, of sort of being on the show and recognizing that when it ends, that it's not going to then suddenly propel you into something even more amazing, that there is this, this strange quiet that comes after something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that strange quiet is often when people, you know, at least what we have seen from our vantage as consumers, like that's one thing that's a dangerous time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a dangerous time for people when they are getting all of this attention. They are so valuable. They are so needed. They are so important. You know, they're negotiating contracts season to season. And then suddenly it's over. You know, there's, there's not the same need for them to show up yeah. anywhere. Right. And that's scary. That's it truly is like an existential crisis Yeah. because then what is your value? And I think that what happens, at least what I have seen And what I have sort of spoken with people about in this podcast and then also in my own practice is that then there's the level of like, well, I don't want to, I've already done this. So I don't want to go, I don't want to go lower. I don't want to stoop to having to promote myself all over again. I want to, you know, I'm supposed to be ushered into this Academy Award movie from this. Right. And your awareness of that not happening also is part of what your whole, you know, that's why you're a fucking threat, right? It's like part of your entire success is at least from this vantage. And you could be like, no, actually everything's falling apart, but that's fine too. (laughs) From, you know, being, doing all of these things and having such a successful podcast and being such an innovator in the podcast space, I think is really brave. I think it's very courageous. Thank you. Um, I mean, definitely there have been times where it has not been all roses and all humility. There have definitely been times where, it's been hard for me and I've had to give myself the talk of just because you had this experience and just because you were given this opportunity and just because the world saw you this way for this period of time, A, that's not who you are. B, it's you're grateful to have been given that experience and look around you. There are so many people who have also been given that attention who are right now also not working. So you're not an exception to the rule. There are the exceptions to the rule. And I'm friends with a lot of them and they have horseshoes up their asses. And I'm, I couldn't be happier. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there are those people. I'm not one of those people. I have to work really, really, really hard. I am lucky because I do think that timing has been great for me. I have been prepared for the opportunities that have come to me. But I have not had hit a point in my career in any of these little tentacles of my career where I have been able to stop working really, really hard. And sometimes that's humbling. (laughs) Right, right, right. I'm like, why can't I just be stunningly beautiful and people can't deny me the opportunity to be in anything? There are those women in this industry who are just, yes, they're talented, but 90% of the reason that they work is because their faces on camera are fucking magic. Yeah. But then the difficulty is, is that that is also ephemeral for sure. Yeah, it really is. You can have that be your life for 10 years, for 20 years, but maybe at year 30 or maybe at year 40, it is not going to be the case. And then you have a whole fucking sunset Boulevard experience, you know, (laughs) then you're just like watching the reruns and then that's really, really (laughs) scary also. Yeah. Really depressing. I mean, it is one of, and I'm a Capricorn rising. So like you're speaking my language right now. Of mm-hmm. course I am. Obviously I <laughs> have to be. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, as a Capricorn rising, I always say to, you know, when you have a prominent Capricorn placement, the issue is always, why do I have to work so hard? Mm-hmm. But it's also the blessing Oh, for because sure. because that hard work 
is your character. Mm -hmm. And that hard work is your tenacity and it's your drive. And it's also your ability to pivot when needed. And to say, actually, I really, even though I'm exhausted and burned out and, you know, miserable because everything sucks all the time, (laughs) I also know how to get shit done in a way that I don't, if I was just waiting around for other people to do things, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. So true. So, and that's the, the sea goat, you know, that's, which is also really interesting that you're a Pisces rising because, you know, the sea goat of Capricorn is half goat in the mythological format. It's half goat, half mermaid. Mm. So even though we know that the goat is climbing up the mountain, it also can traverse the waters of emotion. And that is a side of Capricorn that does not get as enough attention, I think. Wow. I'd never Mm -hmm. even heard that. Yes. It is this bifurcated mythological creature and it knows how to do both. It knows how to both like do the mountain thing and then also like go under and get to the core and go into the emotional realm for that insight. And then it goes back up. So it's like, it knows how to operate on both of those dimensions, which I think is really important for the Capricorn archetype yeah, because it's not just, and it also differentiates for, for instance, from your moon, Mm -hmm. right? The moon in Taurus is very much sort of like, it is what it is, Mm -hmm. but the Capricorn is like, "Mm, let's massage this a little bit. Let's see how we can make this work. Let's see how we can turn something into a situation. Whereas probably like the internal part of you is like, if it doesn't work, I don't want to do it. You know, like I don't want anything to do with it. (laughs) I actually never understood fully like what that Taurus was doing for me. And when you just said that, it's kind of the Taurus has sort of been my knee jerk reaction to failure or challenges. But then you're right. The Capricorn comes in and sort of is more flexible, fluid and and problem solver, I guess. The Taurus is the hands in the air. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. The Taurus is like, I'm I'm fine. Yeah, this is enough you know, whatever, sign the deal. And the Capricorn is like, "Mm, I don't know. The Taurus moon is a beautiful, is one of my favorite lunar placements because it's exalted. It's, it's really happy to be there. The moon loves to be fed and bathed and sort of like pampered Mm -hmm. in Taurus, which is what Taurus is all about. Um, But whenever we have like an exalted or just like a very effortless placement, it's beautiful, but the issue is that it gets a little lazy. Yeah. It gets a little complacent. It's something that doesn't want to, you know, stir shit up because it's like, I'm good here. Yep. You know, like this is fine. We don't need to challenge this. So at the core, you know, your Taurus moon is looking for that stability. And even though it's working in tandem with the sort of more wily Capricorn sun, and then that like very ethereal, very entertainment Pisces rising, there's a lot of support to what is, how do I feel safe and protected and how do I feel nurtured, you know, but there's just different ways of getting there. If it was all up to your Taurus moon, your Taurus moon would be just like, get me in a meadow, give me a brick of cheese and I'm ready to roll. Like I'm fine. (laughs) I have a lot of those moments. (laughs) And then the Capricorn in me is like, no, we're going to go broke. So get your ass off the couch. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally. But it's also nice to have that Taurus moon. That's just like, I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm grateful. It's good. Yeah. Nice. It's so so that's, I would say what the Taurus moon does for you. Okay. Capricorn is never going to tell you things are nice. Yeah. So if you ever feel a moment of gratitude or appreciation or just sort of like presence, that's not coming from your Capricorn sun. No way. Okay. That makes, (laughs) that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Cause at times, and I think this is for everyone, just the human experience and for the astrology part of it, I think, am I just a giant juxtaposition? Because I do feel that those two things are always kind of at odds. And then the Pisces in me is also, I don't feel as in touch with the Pisces um, just because my experience with people who are Pisces, and this is me being totally judgmental, are to me, I always look at them and I'm envious of this quality. It's not a judgment thing, but I think they are so out to lunch. (laughs) Like, what does it feel like to be that out of 
reality. I mean, you and me both. I, I have Pisces moon, so I know what it feels like internally okay. to be that way. But I do not know what it feels like to externalize as that. Yeah. I could never, you know, I like, it's like the idea of just like floating through time and space is like, whoa, we have things to do. We right. have a schedule, you know, like it's, it's crazy. We, we, there has to be some organization here. Yeah. Do you watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? Not since like 2008. Okay. So <laughs> Kathy Hilton is on this season. And I was watching her thinking she's a thousand percent a Pisces. There is no other thing. And then I checked and she's a Pisces. I was very proud of myself. She has such Pisces energy. Oh my God. Just floating. And I, I want that so badly, but I also know that I could never, I could never survive that. Okay. So let's look at your chart because I have your big three here, but I don't think I have your, I don't have your full chart. So do you have your time of birth? Yep. Okay, cool. So let's do it. If you wouldn't mind sharing it with all of us. Sure. Great. Fabulous. So where were you born? Atlanta. Okay. What is your birthday? January 18th, 1986. I'm a 18 too. What are you? I'm August 18. Oh my gosh. I'm your, I'm your husband. I'm your Leo husband. Oh my God. My Leo husband. Jesus. Do you (laughs) love your birthday? I love my birthday. Mm. God bless you. So Leo. <laughs> uh, what is your time of birth? 1032 AM. Okay. So you have a beautiful chart. You have a 24 degrees Pisces rising. You have a 28 degree Capricorn sun, which is exactly conjunct your Venus, which is really cool. We could talk about that in a momento. Mm-hmm. And then you have a beautiful Taurus moon that is exactly with one degree conjunct your North node of destiny. And then we also have Pluto conjunct your South node of past life leading from the second to eighth house. And you of course have Neptune in your 10th house, which is like the signature of somebody who is in the spotlight for entertainment. So just as more sort of like proof and validation of why you're doing the right thing with your life. But what, how I read a birth chart is I say, okay, the Pisces the rising sh- tells us who you are, and then all the other planets tell us how you are doing who you are and how you are living mm-hmm. your best life is going to show like the each planet is there for you to thrive, you know, not just survive. And when we see our birth chart as whole and we work with the entirety of it, we can figure out how to really live our truth. So your truth is being a Pisces rising. And this is also totally supported with having Neptune in your 10th house, the area of your chart associated with legacy, the tippy top of your chart. And if we are using traditional astrology, we would say, okay, here's Jupiter, which is in your 12th house, which is the Pisces house. So really you are a deeply, deeply spiritual in touch healing person. You want to, you want to make the world a better place. You want to do something meaningful that affects large masses of people. So that's also Pisces. We're dealing with like the collective energy. So you want to help mm-hmm. the world. So you want to help people really. And the way that you're doing it is through the other planets. So the way that you are, the best way for you to execute that goal is for you to be a Capricorn, right? Is for you to have these missions and for you to climb the mountain and for you to identify different things that you want to do. And with Venus right there on your sun, Venus, the planet of values. This also shows us that you, you know, your work ethic isn't just something that is to reach a certain milestone. It also is a value set of yours. It defines how you see your mission in this life is to keep finding new ways to innovate and to tell stories because you have this in your 11th house, which also has to do with community. So those are things that all make Mm. sense. Now, another interesting thing is that you have your moon on your North node. And, you know, obviously I don't want to like blow up your spot on a podcast, but money is a really important factor for you in your lifetime, making money, having your own money, Mm -hmm. feeling liberated by money. That is critical. You couldn't be doing you without that piece of it. It is not just a nice to have. It is mandatory. So you also... Feeling financially, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like, not just comfortable, like 
rich, you know, like you being rich is healing for <laughs> is, is part of this life work. And because it's on the nodes, it probably has to do with intergenerational stuff. It probably has to do with things from your past. And it probably, I would also say has to do, especially with Pluto getting involved in this has to do with people from your maybe family line, from your community, doing fucked up things with money and you not liking it, not wanting anything to do with it. And you wanting to have your own agency over your resources and do different things with your money. Wow. Does that resonate? It does. I think um, this is something that my mom like has with her, her family. There's a fucked up relationship with money. And my mom has PTSD mm -hmm. for sure about having a ton of money and then it going away. And so my whole childhood and when I wanted to go into the entertainment industry, her biggest fear was me not having enough money mm. because you struggle. It's starving artist syndrome, not syndrome. <laughs> it's a reality. So and I, it was my reality for a long time. So that's so funny. I always blame my mom for my crazy neuroses and paranoia about every day thinking I'm going to go broke. Yeah, And you know, the moon represents the mother. Really? And it's on your North oh node. God, so it's also course. about healing that story somehow. Yeah. And yeah, Pluto uh, on the South node, definitely there was something really, I mean, when I say fucked up, I don't know what that is, but there was something fucked up that happened or, or intergenerationally or to you know, money. There was something, something yeah. weird, you know, something harsh and like, it almost feels violent. Okay. I don't I mean, there's a lot of weird money stuff. I come from, you know, my dad's side. It's a Jewish family. I don't know what what it is exactly. And um, I think in Jewish families, money is very important because it represents independence and, you know, having gone through the Holocaust and having everything kind of stripped away, taken away, stolen. There's a really different relationship with money for that culture as opposed to some others. So I think also that's weaved in throughout is that it's really, it's been very important for that whole side of my family to, to have money, figure out how to have money. And there's been some greed mm -hmm. with the money. So that's probably it. Yeah. I, Pluto definitely is, is a greedy bitch, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah, and it's interesting because my mother is Jewish. So I'm Jewish on half of my side and, but we weren't wealthy at all. And the classism in Jewish culture is crazy. You know, it's oh, crazy, God. <laughs> crazy, crazy. crazy. <laughs> it's, you know, I, I did not have a bat mitzvah because my family couldn't afford it, but that's crazy. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> you, yeah. you can't have something because yeah. it's too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you can't pay for it. It's so fucked up. It, there was no option of having it just be a pizza party. Exactly. <laughs> totally. And like reading a couple <laughs> of lines from the Torah, which like I would have, Emily, I would have done no. an excellent job. <laughs> the best. You would Thank have you crushed so your bat mitzvah. <laughs> but yeah, all of that <laughs> is embedded in here. And it also, it it's not different from the Capricorn narrative. It's actually a little different. It's a little different. It hits different things. We have with this uh, North node, moon, Pluto, South node across your second and eighth house of resources access. Those are at like five, six, seven degrees. And then your rising is at 24 degrees and your sun is at 28 degrees. So it's, they're kind of like different subplots. It's almost like money is different than mm -hmm. your career, you know, and that those oh, yeah. two things yep. can intertwine and do intertwine, but they live in different places in your psyche. Mm -hmm. Very much. And yeah. That, that's the magic of astrology. But going back to why you're a Pisces rising, it's all of the stuff that is probably less tangible because it isn't what you are doing on a day-to-day -day basis, but it is ultimately the cohesion of all of these things. It is what they all sort of come back to is how do we get you to, you know, heal people and to be sort of a, this otherworldly person who can speak to masses, who can speak to large amounts of individuals and help them because that at the end of the day is what Pisces wants to do. It wants to help through non-practical ways. You know, it wants to help on a spiritual, emotional level. Mm -hmm. There you are. That's you. That's, that's your chart. Thank you for that. Okay. So now I would like to ask you two questions. That's awesome. And as I already told you, if you know, you, you don't need to reinvent the wheel with these, um, 
two questions. I will ask them in a pair. One is how does magic show up in your life? And two is what do you believe in? Well, most recently, I, in the last couple of years, after dealing with loss and having a lot of grief, I um, had signs, just signs from the other side. And I read Chelsea Handler's book, um, Life Will Be the Death of Me. And she talks all about losing her brother in it. And she talks about an orange, how it represents someone coming back into her life and her brother showing up or some form of that. And there's that book called Signs. And in it, they talked all about the orange, the orange, the orange. So this thing was in my consciousness, hearing that the book and um, podcasts about it, I started having oranges show up in my life. A lot of oranges. Anytime I asked or anytime I was struggling or I just wanted to sort of to be reminded that this just isn't it. This isn't the only thing. Oranges show up the other day. So we had Chelsea Handler on the Lady Gang podcast a couple weeks ago. And I told her this story about how I was listening to her book on tape, audiobook. Wow, I'm like 80 years old. Her audiobook, driving <laughs> to a yoga class. I was listening to the cassette. <laughs> a cassette on my Walkman. <laughs> and uh, I told her that an orange showed up in this. It's a crazy story. And I was such a skeptic um, about death at that point in my life. And um, I told the story and my dad is just the sweetest, most amazing human on the planet. And he goes on these long walks and he listens to the podcast every week. And he listened to the Chelsea episode. And then he went by this house that he and my mom decided to build. Like we've been telling my parents, get out of this house that we grew up in, you know, do something for yourself. They're just such like modest people. And I was like, go, go build a house, your dream house that you can, you know, have the rest of your life in. And they finally pulled the trigger on it after my sister and I forced them to. And my dad went to the site after the, he went on this walk, listening to Chelsea Handler. He went to the site and walked through the bedrooms and he got to the main bedroom that he and my mom are going to be in. And there was an orange peel on the ground. And no I swear he sent me a picture of it. And my dad, uh, my grandmother, my dad's mother, who he was the most, they were so connected, like just soul connected. And their relationship was so special. And mine was with her as well. And she died kind of young, youngish, you know, early 70s. And um, it was so heartbreaking for my dad. And I just think he's somebody who is a little bit more cerebral and he doesn't necessarily believe in any of that other stuff. But he sent me that picture and I was like, that's how it shows up. That's magic to us. Like that stuff is magic. So did he, how did he, I mean, he sent it to you. So he recognized it as, so I say this thing called tank, which means there are no coincidences. Mm -hmm. So that is so tank. So he recognized the tank moment in it. He saw it. Yeah. And does he have more openness or awareness after that? He totally does. And he said in the, in the text, he goes, I think it's granny. And she's telling me, I I could cry thinking about it. And I'm like, she, and I think I said to him, she's telling you, this is the right move. Like this is the perfect house and you're doing the right thing. And you're going to be so happy there. And I just, as my dad is, my dad is someone who will never show his children when he's sad. And I remember I was 16 when my grandmother died and I know my dad, especially now, but I could sense it then was just in excruciating pain, like excruciating pain. And, and I do think that, and she was very spiritual. She would go to psychics all the time. Like that was her jam. She loved it. So this could also be part of your, why you're a Pisces rising. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, um, crazy and into all that stuff, just in a, such a cool way. And I think that that's sort of for him like that to see that and to start to believe it. I, I hope that it's healing for him. It feels like it could be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that it's, and your dad is Jewish, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. My, on my mother's side, grief is so, grief is really challenging in the Jewish faith, I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it is the healthiest. No. I don't think that the Ashkenazi approach to death is particularly, yeah. it, it, I don't think it helps move things through us. No. Like when my grandfather passed unexpectedly playing tennis when I was 16, my family didn't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> like it w- first they blamed everyone. They tried to get litigious. That didn't work. And then after that, then 
that was basically it. And it really ate away at everyone. It's so interesting that you say that because I was I was listening to Esther Perel was on a podcast and um, she comes from a long line of European Jews and her parents, I think, were they survived the Holocaust and they moved to this one kind of town in Europe where it was a lot of survivors. And um, she discusses that there were two directions you could go in after experiencing that horrific experience. And it was like, you, you die, you're living, but you're really just dead. Right. Right. Or you choose joy and you have this incredible appreciation for life and whatever, you know, perspective and the perspective there. But I also think to me, it sounded like what's missing is there's no in between. And Mm -hmm. you can't be sad because it could be so much worse. Like I remember being growing up and always being told to look at it, have perspective. And that was something I had to relearn that that's bullshit. When you're in pain, it's your pain. It's your experience. And yes, it's all relative. But to me, this is the worst thing that's happening to me or has happened to me in my life so far. So I think that as far, I'm not going to generalize, but my Jewish family, there's a lot of that. Like, okay, it's fine. It's fine. It could be so much worse because they know that it could be so much worse. Yeah. So yeah, that it's, it's interesting. I think that, uh, it's, I think generationally it's going to get better just moving further away from the trauma that's there, but yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I, my, my family immigrated in the 1800s to New York, so they weren't in, I didn't have family living in Europe during the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. Everyone was in New York, but they were in the Lower East Side. They were in the tenements. They were just, you know, struggling Mm -hmm. and the way that my family and I, I, my mom is staying with me right now. And just, we were in the car yesterday and she was like, I feel like Papa Sai, my grandfather who died playing tennis is with me now more than he was, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. And I was like, Oh, do you think that it's, I was getting all like Pisces mood. I was like, do you think it's because he has now transferred into a different body and now his soul is more acceptable to <laughs> receive that. And my mom was like, no, I think I just have allowed him to be dead. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that is true. You know, when you don't talk about something, when you don't acknowledge it, when you don't give yourself that space to process in whatever way that looks like, which is fluid and complicated and horrible, mm-hmm. you know, if you just sort of wall it off, then you're not even going to be able to receive signs. You're, you're so not going to be able to interact with that person on the other side because you haven't acknowledged that they are not here. That is so true. I mean, that's very much the way. It was my way for a while. Like it took me years to even get out of the denial and out of the weird kind of sedated space I was in to come on the other side and, and be open to it and accept that it had happened and accept that this is right. the reality. And then to be able to kind of get into this, which I love, I love this part. I mean, it sucks that it, those people are no longer here, but to me, this is the next best thing is to be able to feel them. Absolutely. Oh, that's so beautiful. I w- who knew our conversation would go I know. <laughs> <laughs> from making out with Scorpios <laughs> to the life and death process. But that's how we roll. Totally. <laughs> that, that is how we roll. <laughs> what a ride. What a ride. Okay, so now before we wrap up our beautiful episode, I would love to pull a tarot card for you. Oh, yes. But the way that my deck works best, and honestly, the only way it works is with a specific question. If you say something general, it's going to give us a general stupid card and I'm not going to know how to interpret it. And you're going to be like, what does that mean? And I'm be like, I don't know, because I don't know what really you want to know. About. Right. So the more specific, the better. Okay. I'm curious about finding a balance like next year. 2022. 2022. So this year has been really crazy and in, the, in a great way, but nonstop. I have not been able to lift my head up and like breathe or or be grateful. You know, I have those like final tiny moments of gratitude and then I'm like, okay, but back to whatever I'm doing. I have a new project and a new venture. It feels like it's hitting all those Pisces things for me where it's serving this purpose of helping people in a way that I've never really been able to, but I am having majorly cold feet 
on like mm. the Capricorn part of me and the Taurus part. That's like, you're really going to do another thing. You're really, we're good. Like we had a great year. We're good. Let's relax. But I, I want to know if this is a good move. Okay. So let me just, let me just massage yes, this question just please. a little bit, but you're doing it right. You're doing, or are you undecided? I am doing it. I am doing it. I have committed to doing it. Um, I can do it in many different ways, though. You know, there are. Okay. It's open to. To that extent. But right now I'm committed to go all in. So maybe I shouldn't ask if I should do it because it's too late. Yeah, you're doing it. You're, that's, that's why I had to clarify. <laughs> okay. So you're doing it and you're doing and you are committed to mm-hmm. it. And are you worried about having too much on your plate? Yes, very much. And how you're going to be able to balance all of these things that you are doing. Yes. Including all the other stuff. It's family and marriage and right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So like your professional life, all of those, you know, fabulous threats, right. <laughs> the, 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 all the threats, the, all, the threats yep. all the threats. And then your personal life of making sure that you're still spending time with your Leo lover mm-hmm. and that you are, you know, continue to be able to nurture that component of your experience. Yes. So it's how, if you take on another thing, how can you balance this in the best way possible? Mm-hmm. And you are taking on this other thing. So the question is really, what does balance look like for you so that you can make sure that you don't burn out and that you also don't, you know, blow up your relationship yes. or something horrible yes. happen? Because this other venture is so stressful to me right now because there's a lot riding on it and it needs to be great. So that means I have to be a psycho with my com- level of commitment for it. But yes, how the fuck do I do it? Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the first thing that before we even pull the cards, you need to make sure that you have enough help. You know, you need to make sure that you have a support system that just non cards, just me hearing all the stuff you have on your plate. That's one. Thank you for your (laughs) number one. Yeah. You need to have a support system. You can't, it seems like you need to delegate Capricorn. (laughs) You need to not do, you can't maybe do everything, everything. Okay. One. Okay. Now, do you want me to work with pile one, pile two or pile three? Let's do two. Okay. So the question is, how do you balance everything? Right. Mm-hmm. I knew we were going to get this card. Okay. So it's temperance. Uh-huh. So first of all, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with this card. Oh, it's pretty. Temperance is amazing. It is true magic, right? It is alchemy. This person is moving, you know, is the water going up? Is it going down? It's, you know, it's being able to make, there it is. is. It's being able to make magic happen in the most unexpected ways. And there's obviously like a lot of divine intuition. You know, we have our foot dipping into the water, which represents our connection to the emotional, the spiritual, the psychic plane. We also have the sun either rising or setting, which is kind of like a Piscean 12th housey thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in a threshold, but there's a lot of magic going on. But the most important part of this card is sobriety. This is the most critical piece of this puzzle. And that does not, I don't know what your relationship is with substances or sobriety or anything. And if, if you are already, then that's cool. If you're not, I'm not saying go get sober, but maintaining your patience, your perspective, (laughs) your like, your, you know, not, uh, overstimulating yourself with other things and being really diligent about what needs to get done and when is the more metaphoric but also important aspect of sobriety. You know, it's maintaining a clear vision and it's maintaining sort of the direction and a bigger mission to all of it. Okay. So, and maybe substance, maybe this also has to do with substances because okay. it usually does. You know, there is like a, there right now there is a quality of my life that is so frantic and disorganized. And maybe that's a little bit of it too. It's like focusing, focusing, focusing. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And having that clarity, Mm -hmm. like you cannot be an escapist right now Mm. at all. And the only way that you are going to balance is by being super present in every 
bucket, right? And if you can, if you have to be fully present in everything, then you can't multitask, you know? So you have to manage your schedule to be like, okay, if I'm fully present here and I can give a hundred percent and that burns me out, then I should not schedule something the next day. Got it. That would be, that's like of a sober mind, you know, that is not, um, escaping by just piling things on because you have to, it's also, you know, it's being reserved. It's applying boundaries, patience limits, you know, it's limiting yourself to what the alchemy is because, you know, to do something like this, and this also the major arcana here really does indicate this is really meaningful. You know, this is a big card. Mm -hmm. This is one of the last cards of the deck. And with this, it's like, you are doing something extraordinary, but that folk, look at this focus, you know, that is focus. That is not, you can't fuck around. If you spill one drop of that water, you're fucked. Yep. So it has, it, it's, it requires that sort of like, okay, like, let me breathe into this and do it. That's helpful. That's really helpful. It's like what I already intuitively felt, but needed to be told. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's, and that's on metaphysics. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here and joining us today. Where can we find you and where could we get in the loop so that we can find out about this next venture? Yes. Okay. So my Instagram is easy. It's just at Becca, B-E-C-C-A, uh, the Lady Gang podcast. We have two episodes a week. We'll have to have you come on. Would you want to come on and do our charts? I, I, yes. Okay. I mean, this is, this is the most excited I've been since I've been proposed. Okay, great. (laughs) I love this. (laughs) Sweating. Great. I'm actually so excited. The girls, because the girls get annoyed with me when we have guests on and they say something and I'll interrupt and I'll say, wait, are you a, and then I'll try to guess their sign and nine times out of 10, I'm wrong. (laughs) Well, that's an impossible task. So good, good on you for trying. Thank you. Thank you. So that would be great. We'll have you on and it'll be amazing. It's so that's the Lady Gang podcast. And um, yeah, just go to my Instagram to figure out all the insane things that I'm committed to. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Capricorn Sun style. We love to see it. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Becca. Aliza.